guys. I'm so, so glad to have all of you. I, I want to share this morning uh, from our lectionary passage, and, and I just, just some, I, I want to say simple thoughts that have come to me through this week. Um, hi, Sister Claudia. Just praying for you guys uh, and for your family. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to share this morning. The passage this morning is from John 20, verses 18 to 29. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But the title that I've given the message is, um, is Locked Down or Freed to Live. Um, so just, again, I want to, these are going to kind of be some thoughts that come out of my own heart. Uh, as I was, uh, I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about something that I've heard my wife say. If I've heard her say it one time, I've heard it say it numerous times uh, for years. <clears throat> she would say, everybody loves a good snow day. And the reason that she's like, oh, we're going to get our snow day, it's the big one. That's usually, you know, and for me, I'm groaning because it's like, oh, the drive, the, you know, the, the snow, that's, it's, it's work. But for her, she's like, ah, we're going to get that day. And, 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 you know, the day of being allowed the pleasure of telling the frenetic demands of our daily lives, peace out. Right? We get a day off. Don't have to answer. I mean, everybody. Everybody gets the chance to say no. And then came 2020. Um, I, I, you know, I, I remember the latter part of 2019 and, and hearing about uh, this possible something in Asia that was causing a lot of concern. But for me, it was like, long ways away. Do I take it seriously? I don't know. Get on with our lives. Uh, the beginning of 2020, in February, right, late January, I traveled to, uh, to Florida, spent some time with my son, spent some time with my extended family, as I've done for a number of years. And, and right about then, we were beginning to hear a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit of what we didn't know. And so it was that season that we were all experiencing a slow repentance. I'm not saying we were all sinners in that moment. Don't mishear me. All that, land, that didn't land at all. Anyway, uh, that we were slowly, we're slowly changing our mind and beginning to experience a, a change of our mind and our heart about what we were actually facing. And so... I literally, from, you know, I got on a plane at the end of January. When I got back onto that plane, I remember sharing with my siblings, and it's like, oh, it's a, it's a virus, but there's no known cure. And, oh, by the way, it's incredibly deadly. Can be, but maybe not. We're not, we're not sure. And do we, how cautious are we? We're not sure. And so literally, this is by this point, like mid-February, I get back onto a plane. By this point, people are beginning to experience some opposing emotions as it, as it pertains to the information that we're receiving, and it showed up when I got on that plane. This is way before any kind of mandates of masks or anything. It's way before any lockdowns have occurred. 
But it's right about the time we're beginning to get this sort of that slow motion. Oh, you guys remember that? Okay, so I get on a plane as I'm sitting there, and I, I'm doing I, what I thought was due diligence, and I'm wiping down my surroundings with, you know, some antiseptic things that I had with me. And I look over, and I'm not kidding. There's a guy who walks on the plane with a white jumpsuit, covered, literally, head to toe, two masks, and a pair of safety goggles from his shop. And I thought, dude, we don't even have any reported cases here. I mean, you know, you wanted to chuckle, but it was, but this was the atmosphere, right? It was like, it was stirring this sense of frenetic sort of response of, well, what is it to outright fear? And then, uh, you know, then, then the next month, we move into March of 2020, and our kids came home a little bit early from IU for spring break. They decided to give them a little extended spring break while we figure out what this is. Within days, we, they got an email that said, hey, by the way, stay home. And then the next things start coming out, stay home. And then suddenly we started, you guys remember this? How it was like this slow motion of everything just starting to shut down. And, and not only was there a limit of travel, but now we're getting governmental announcements. And they were almost staggering. And it was like, is the world losing their mind? Or, or are, we, are we actually all going to get touched by this yet-to-be-named disease? Then the first cases hit, hit our state and our city, and it began to get r pretty real. I remember talking uh, a couple of months after that with one of my daughters, uh, uh, a friend of, let's see here, I have to get this right, my, my daughter's friend's father. Okay. Anyway, he, he made this statement. He said, I, I'm resigned that we're all going to get it. And I was still like in this denial zone of, ah, maybe it's bigger than what they're saying. You know, maybe it's all just going to go away. Um, so, I mean, we're all trying to filter this stuff out. And, and I remember, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compartmentalize this because I can do that fairly well. Uh, I am man when it comes to that. And so I was like, okay, what I hear is the purpose of the lockdown is that we don't overwhelm the medical system and we allow time for some vaccines to be developed. We can get some herd immunity and we'll get there. And I didn't want to think about the fact that, that the, the truth was that we were all in a real place of vulnerability, facing real danger. And by now, you know, these mandates are, the mask mandates are public. And I remember, I think I've shared this before, going to the grocery store, and I was just, it just struck me. I was running to get something for Denise. And by now, for us, the, the, the cool part was we had, the, the joy of having most of our kids actually in the house with us. Um, so we're going through a fair amount of food, you know. So I'm running to the store, and I'm doing my mask thing. Um, at one point, I was wearing gloves, and then I thought, I guess I don't really have to do that. You know, I mean, I, I was bouncing all over the map on this. But I remember walking in, and by this point, we're being told you got to keep distance. And I, I, I noticed nobody wants to look me in the eye anymore. Did you, you remember that? And, and, and I, I would, by this point, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch somebody's attention. I'm going to lock eyes with somebody. And I'm trying to get, but, but what was really struck me was that as we're all going through the middle of this, 
that here was the reality that we're living in. Everybody around me was a potential source of danger. And, and you know, I could either dismiss it or go, you know, this is interesting that where we're at. And, and then I remember, you know, later in the year, we were trying to, like, come back to figuring out how can we gather together in person a little bit more? Do we do that? And, and, and you know, I, I was trying to be the, the super optimist, um, which I tend to, you know, fall into that camp. Let's be, let's, let's be upbeat. Let's be optimistic. And so... We'd begun to gather our little prayer gatherings uh, uh, together because the truth is, out of our little prayer gathering that, that we hosted, uh, a handful of those folks had been isolated to the point, I mean, they'd not, like had hardly any human contact. And so that, you know, this is probably a really good thing that we, we get together. Uh, here's the truth that happened to me, uh, is that we had this little small prayer gathering, should be fine, we're down on Pearl Street. And uh, out of about 18 people, uh, over a dozen of us got sick, me being one of them, from one of the people that was really, really isolated. And I remember feeling angry, frustrated, fearful. Um, I mean, it, just, it, was, it was a banana's time. You remember that? And we're all in this season of being locked down, and we're hearing this over and over again. Stay. Yeah. And then what was the other word that we always heard? Yes, that was the word I was looking for. Stay safe. Because what, was, what we're communicating is uh, it may not be safe out there. And, and the truth was, it wasn't. I, d I do not want to minimize anything because we all experience losses, losses of times being with individuals, you know, I buried my, uh, my uh, mother during that time. My brother couldn't come. Uh, you know, weddings. I, my friends over here had weddings that they had to make announcements and people that couldn't come and be there. I mean, it was, uh, you still look back and go, did we, what, did, was that real? Yeah, it really was real. Um, you know, one of the things that we also noticed was the spike in mental health issues because we read about it in the very beginning of the scripture, man was not meant to be alone. So I, I remember in the spring of uh, 21, Logan was playing at Ted's, and it was on a Friday night, and it was during this weird time when things were slowly maybe starting to open back up. And, you know, where we had that slow motion lockdown, it was even slower going the other way. Um, but it was on a Friday night, and, and so there's still some mandates in place and protocols in place. Some of them have been lifted. We weren't sure. You know, there's still a lot of fuzziness. And, and um, so a lot of questions being asked. I'd already been sick at least once that point, by that point. Um, so Logan is playing on the back of a trailer outside on, to an open lawn. But here's what is interesting. It wasn't long before that entire lawn was filled. Blankets on the ground. And, and I remember leaning over to Denise at one point during the evening and saying something like this. I, I wonder if people are ready to be back together. Um, because by that point, it was becoming obvious that life is more, is about more 
than just staying safe. Right? We can't live behind locked doors fearing what we cannot control. It just doesn't work. Now, last fall, by the way, I got a letter from Taylor University. It's the most official statement I've read. I wish the government would have published something like this, but from the university, they said, COVID is no longer considered pandemic. It is endemic, and it will be treated as such. And so when a student becomes ill, they're not going to be quarantined off into another dorm. We're going to treat them like they had the flu. I wish government officials would have made it that clear, but the point was someone put in black and white, it's not the threat that it used to be. Yay. So we went from lockdown to being freed. Um, and I, I was, uh, I had Denise on the phone. I said, hey, honey, I'm kind of thinking through this passage. And, and uh, you know, here's what I wanted to ask you. You know, going from lockdown to where we are now, what's the word post-lockdown that you, post-COVID lockdowns, uh, what, what would you describe that, uh, what, what's the one word that would come to your mind? And she said, freedom. I said, well, say more about that. Okay, this is like when she was in the, at the airport or something like that. Okay. She said, freedom to connect with others without fear of reprisal from mandates. Like, I don't, I don't want to violate mandates. Um, I don't want to violate others' conscience. And I, I feel like I can connect without fear of this disease like I did before. I said, oh. So she said, reprisal of all those things. So we moved from lockdown and not letting fear consume us to unlocked and freed to go about our lives. Now, I cannot tell you exactly when that happened. But I did notice something this year. In fact, my bug guy came out this, just this last week. New guy, he's got took our route, so I, I went out to, to say hello to him. And without any hesitation, new guy, oh, I have to think of his name, Tyler. Uh, Ty, well, I should, probably shouldn't, yeah, Tyler, anyway. I'm not giving away any personal information there. Tyler. Uh, so I said, hi. And without any hesitation, Tyler reaches out his hand to shake my hand. And I was like, oh, you know what? We're doing that again. That's kind of nice, right? We should do that, right? We haven't done that this morning, have we? You can turn to somebody and say good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, right? All right. So um, now, from lockdown to freed to live. Now, I, again, I want to be mindful of this. And, and I, I remind you, I went through my third round uh, of this a couple of months back, I, I've had individuals have gone through incredible loss, losses of family members. I'm not belittling any of that. But what I want to acknowledge is that uh, there, there's a shift that comes and that it, there's a choice that has to be made. Um, you know, part of what we went through in this whole thing and we're still dealing with is what we call the misinformation abundance that continues to the day because often I see people struggling to make the choice to live in freedom. And, and I'm going to qualify this. Please hear what I'm, I want to qualify this. There are still real concerns that are out there for the immunocompromised, for 
number of individuals. The choice to move from fear to freedom is not about certainty. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? But it's a choice. It's a trust to believe that for me and for others, it is best to live connected than it is to be disconnected, okay? Everybody, please hear my, my nuance in that and my clarity in this. What I'm trying to say is that when we move from fear to freedom, it isn't just because I feel certain about it. It's because I'm trusting. And there is a difference between the two, beloved. 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. Historically, the church has called this Easter tide. 50 days that we celebrate Easter and we proclaim the good news of the resurrection, not as a fact of history to be argued or to be stood upon as, quote, certainty. The seal of death is broken, the stone is rolled away, but it is a reality that invites us to actually live no longer captured by fear, but in the freedom of courageous love towards God and one another. And that, beloved, is the good news that we proclaim today. John 20. I want to invite you. It's a familiar passage probably for many of us. John 20. Uh, I'm beginning at verse 18 because uh, it begins with Mary's sermon. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Five words. First sermon after the resurrection. So when it was evening on that day, the, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, by the way, what does that say in some of you guys' translation? Oh, you're right, locked. They're shut, locked. Where the disciples were for what? For what? Fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And he said to them, he said this. He showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples then rejoiced and they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said to them, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, there's three or four awesome sermons in this whole text. But if you forgive uh, the sins of any, their sins have been uh, forgiven them. If you retain any of the sins of any, uh, they're retained. By the way, what that means is don't hang on to unforgiveness. That's a real quick version. Verse 24, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, Mary's sermon, we have seen the Lord. Um, but he said to them, unless I see his hands and the imprint of, his, uh, of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails, put my hand into his side, I'll not believe. After eight days, uh, his disciples uh, again in, were inside, and Thomas was with them, um, and the doors having been what again? Oh, yeah, they're shut and locked. And they stood, he stood in their midst. Peace be with you, he said. Now, he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see your hands and reach here with your hand and put it in my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, 
uh, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see me and yet have believed. Last week we were looking at uh, Matthew's account of the resurrection, chapter 28, particularly when Mary Magdalene and Mary arrive at the empty tomb. Just, boom, stone just got rolled away. Angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appears in front of them and says, do not be afraid. And I'm absolutely stunned at the gospel writer's honesty in verse 8, Matthew 28, 8. He said, go tell the disciples. And they left with fear and great joy. These two opposing emotions. So the next person they encounter is Jesus, the risen Jesus. And I again want us to notice, the risen Jesus meets them, comforts them, but he never rebuked them about their fear. There's something telling about the generosity of God. He, he never said, why didn't you listen to what Gabriel told you? Don't be afraid. He just simply gives an invitation. Go tell the disciples. Go to Galilee. I'll meet them there. So in John's account, we have Mary's first sermon. She goes to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. Beloved, that is such a beautiful sermon. Can I just, I want to speak some words of encouragement and life over our hearts this morning. Mary gives a simple confession, not a theological treatise, not a huge explanation. I've seen the Lord. It's a mystery I can't necessarily explain. Even to his friends who are doubting and captured by fear, she's like, I saw him. Prove it. I, I saw him. I, I want to just speak some words over us in our Western rationalism mindset where we live. You know, the, the demand that we all have to be philosophers and apologists. By, uh, by apologists, I mean those who are experts in apologetics and defending the faith. Do you know where the journey of faith began for nearly all of us? It was a point of encounter. Somewhere that we experienced the kind, tender presence of God in our life. Something I couldn't, I, I, I can't explain it. I was about six in the front room of my house, and something I just encountered Jesus, and I got on my knees. I've had many moments like that in my life. You guys know what I'm talking about? The ones, it's like, I don't, that wasn't a result of a sermon that I went, oh, okay, yes, sign here. No, it was just suddenly. The truth of his love for me touched me. Beloved, that's where our journey of faith began. Can I just speak a word of encouragement over us? In truth, it's okay to let your heart be there and rest there. Yes, yes, there's times we've got to work through our doubts. And I do believe that we can, we can have a faith beyond reasonable doubt, but it doesn't mean that it's, quote, certainty. Certainty is a, 
is a fictitious, bad target. What I can say to you today is this, beloved. I've seen the Lord. I've had things happen in my journey that I cannot explain. And it's good to remind your heart of that. It's, it's okay to, to come back and rehearse. I encountered him. The church historically said this is the mystery of our confession. Christ died. Christ is risen. I don't have all the science to figure that out. There is a mystery in our confession. And it's okay to embrace that. Do you hear me? So you have, and, and here's what I w- I'm wanting you to see is this. Mary and Mary had that encounter, and they go and they preach their sermon to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. They, went, they, they were told, go tell the disciples, and they do. And what's the result? Same day, by the way. They're there at the tomb in the morning. They tell the disciples, and the disciples jumped up and, down, up and down, were converted, had an experience of repentance. No, they did not. They were in a door. Oh, not in a door. They were in a, <laughs> they were in a room with locked doors for fear of the Jews because there's something that they believed that was more powerful than what they had heard about from Mary. That's got more power in my life than what you told me. I'm pretty sure they're going to come for me next. Lock the door, Peter. Lock the door, Andrew. Did you double check? And Jesus appears. And, and they tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. We're, we're preaching the same sermon as Mary. But, but watch this. I've heard a bunch of sermons about, you know, doubting Thomas. And um, can, can I just point out something out of verse 26? Because I did what I was reading it. But let me point that out. Eight days later, the doors are still locked. What's changed? It doesn't look like much. We've seen the Lord, Thomas. Okay. Why are you still in a room with locked doors? The tomb is empty. The seal is broken. What changed? Well, the noise of fear was still ringing in their head and in their heart. So can I just kind of bring us along in this journey. You know, there are moments in our life that fear becomes such a large being that it, it, it can begin to dominate in such a way. And the tender generosity of God to invite us into that repentance that sometimes is slow in coming to come from a place of being locked down in fear to being freed. Sometimes it happens in a moment. But in my life, it, it, it many times takes a minute. So think about the generosity of God. Jesus comes and appears to the disciples. The tomb has been emptied. And he, oh wait, 
he's not rebuking his friends for locking the doors for fear of the Jews. He's just inviting them to believe. He defeats death, and he comes to these friends who are living in the fear of death and says, just believe. And if I'm honest about it, as I think about John 20, the same day as Mary gives that message to them, they lock the doors. Eight days later, they lock the doors again. How often my life is the same. Jesus offers life, but we live as if something else is going to have the final word. Do you hear what I'm saying now? Ah, we've seen Jesus, but I'm pretty sure the Romans still want to kill us. <laughs> I'm still afraid of that. So it's not just the disciples that struggle with locking doors in fear. We do that in all kinds of ways. Thomas was just the most honest in this scenario. Unless I'm certain. Again, the other guys saw Jesus and they still locked the doors up. And by the way, I, I think I pointed this out, but we label Thomas as doubting. Jesus never did. The only thing he did is invited him to faith. Be believing, Thomas. Live in the freedom of faith. So, beloved, belief is not so much about evidence proof, and certainty as it is about who am I going to trust with my life. Thomas, don't be unbelieving, but believing. My Lord and my God, I, I, it's you I want to trust with my life. So, so watch this. Slowly there's this repentance that occurs. It, all of a sudden, these friends of Jesus are in lockdown, but slowly you see something beginning to happen. Their imagination is open because suddenly there's a new central focal point of their life called the cross and the resurrection that calls something out of them that begins to reshape and reform their life. That is the same central point we're called to. That, that Thomas, oh, you know, church history records him as the most evangelistic of all the disciples, meaning this, that he actually goes, he's, he's located, his tomb is located just outside of Madras, India, thousands of miles from Jerusalem. Said that he was speared to death for his faith. So let me, let me just wrap up what I'm trying to share on a couple of things. First is this. Uh, man, I pray you hear this. That simple sermon, I have seen the Lord. I, I was reading something this morning. Please hear this. If you sense God is good, God is beauty, God is love, and that God is like Jesus, stick with that. Because that is the central point of the gospel. Okay? That's my confession. But also, don't miss this. You got Mary leaving an empty tomb with fear. 
You got Jesus' friends locked in doors, not once but twice recorded, locked in fear. Jesus isn't moved by our fears or our doubts, but he'll meet you in them. He'll meet you. Why? Ready? He is more confident in the work of the cross and the resurrection than he is in your doubts. And think about this. He was more confident in the work of the cross and the resurrection. It becomes the central point of these disciples who slowly begin to align their life to that truth. That's called repentance. And realize that in Christ, all that I have is in him. I don't need anything else. I don't have anything else I need to fear. And then we begin to see the apostles writing this in the epistles. So the resurrection then becomes more than just a historical fact, but the central place of the way that they lived. It changes them from fear-filled friends in a locked room to courageous lovers of God and others. So, we're a week into the Easter season. What's different? Am I captured by fear? the joy of the resurrection. Well, the, the truth is there's times I'm still struggle being captured by fear. Driven by fears that leave me behind locked doors. Uh, you know, most of us have grown up with a version of conversion that sounds, uh, that, that's associated with a prayer that we prayed or a confession that we made. But here's what the text reveals to us today is that the confession of our lips well, needs to make it into our life. It's a, it's a repentance. So the disciples moved from fear to the freedom of faith. Um, Denise and I and, and Jensi, we went and watched uh, last month the Jesus Revolution. And uh, by the way, I highly recommend it. And here's the reason why. Um, it's not like a really great theological film. You're not going to get lots of scripture and theology. You won't. But here's why I liked it. Because the very, it's central in that, in that uh, movie is the very much the sermon of Mary and the disciples as we read in the text today, which is this. You just see these organic moments of men and women who encountered Christ and their confession became, I've, I've encountered Jesus. Now, for me, it was really moving. Both Denise and I were weeping. For me, it was moving because I, I re remember just being a little guy and watching what began to happen. I saw this. I, it, it touched me in a real way. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't about uh, uh, some, some organization that came, this organic movement of the Spirit of God. So I've been praying in these last couple of weeks, but especially this week as I've been thinking about that, that sermon of Mary, I have seen the Lord. And, and what happened in the original Jesus movement with the disciples, by the way, don't miss that it was kind of messy, kind of like our lives, but it was real. 
fear that move to faithful faith. So I, I was thinking, Lord, I wonder if this Easter season would become, would this become our confession again, that I would be known as a Jesus follower, as a Jesus person. I don't have to have it all figured out. That's good news. You don't have to have it all figured out before I say my prayers. I've got a good friend who says, when you don't know what to pray, be sure to say your prayers. Uh, There's something wise about that. I don't have to have it figured out before I choose to love others, before I choose to forgive, before I choose to love my neighbor and feed the hungry. As one person put it this way, to be this kind of follower means that we trust what God believes about us is more important than what I believe about God. They choose to open the doors of their life to God and to others and say, I've seen the Lord. It means I'm, I'm holding on to a mystery. I don't fully understand it, but it's okay. My Lord and my God, it's about you. So as I share this with others, I haven't seen and touched the Lord physically. But I can tell you this, as I've opened my heart and my life to him, I've been seen and touched by him. And it's changed everything. So, beloved, as I think about these friends in John 20, again, like I said, there's probably two, three other things you can pick up out of that, but this is what jumped at my heart. I've seen the Lord. So in these days of Eastertide, may we celebrate the good news of the resurrection, not as some point of certainty. Yes, I believe it to be historical fact. Don't misunderstand what I just said. But I'm I'm not looking at it as something to be argued. The, The seal of death is broken. The stone is rolled away. That's an invitation to live in a different place, not captured by fear, but in the freedom of courageous love towards God and others. That, I believe, is the good news. Freed to actually live. So, Lord, this morning, as we come to this this place, as we remember uh, what you gave on the cross, as we proclaim your resurrection, Lord, I thank you that you meet us right where we are and that you proclaim life. Your invitation to Thomas is your invitation to us. Will you trust your life to me? Will you believe me? And so, God, I ask you, awaken our imagination again. Awaken our hearts again. God, we pray that in faith and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you, if you would, Let's pray this closing prayer together as we come to the table. I want to invite you to stand and let's pray this prayer, and then we're going to come to the table together. 
Let's pray this. Blessed are you, O God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we receive the legacy of a living hope, born again not only from his death but also from his resurrection. May we who have received forgiveness of sins through the Holy Spirit live to set others free until at length we enter the inheritance. Is that? That that is imperishable and unfading where Christ lives and reigns with you in the same spirit. Amen and amen. Amen.